Would you join me in prayer, please? Dear God, we thank you for this time to come together to celebrate the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the words of Scripture that we're about to read, the, the words of prophecy that um, spoke to your coming, your coming to earth in the form of your Son, Jesus. We pray, Lord, that as your word is um, shared and opened, that our hearts and minds will be open to hear your truth and guided by your Holy Spirit. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has, sh- on them has light shone. You have multi- multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot and boot and the trampling warrior in battle tolment, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Thank you, Stuart. Our New Testament text this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, it may be found on page 1090 of your pew Bible, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Listen to the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And angels of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Here ends the reading of God's word. As the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, Luke wants us to make sure that we understand that Mary and Joseph were faithful Jews who did what they were supposed to do. On the eighth day, their baby boy was circumcised as the law of Moses required. It was the sign of the covenant people that we find in Genesis chapter 17. So baby boys on the eighth day were supposed to be circumcised, and he was. And when they circumcised him, they named him Jesus. Now, have you ever wondered why they called him Jesus? I mean, why not Joseph, Right? Why couldn't his name been Joseph Jr.? It, it would have made a lot of sense. I mean, if you just think about it for a moment, Jesus is not a family name. Joseph was the father, and, and, and goodness, Joseph would have been the, it would have been made a lot of sense for him to call his son Joseph. In fact, it was the husband who was normally responsible for naming the child, and yet they don't call him Joseph, even though Joseph is a great biblical name. You remember the story of Joseph, right? It's in Genesis. Uh, we find it, the story of Joseph and the amazing technicolored coat. If you haven't read the story, maybe you saw the musical. It's a great musical. And if you haven't read the story, again, I'm going to put a little plug here. We're going to give you a story at the end of his, and it's very easy. It's in chapter 2, so you can read that. But we'll be going through the story from Genesis all the way to Revelation, starting January 10th, going through the whole story of the Bible. And one of the great stories that we find in the Bible is the story of Joseph. You'll remember he was sold into slavery by his older brothers, and uh, he had to serve as a slave, and eventually he's imprisoned while he's in Egypt. And he goes through a great deal of suffering, but God is with him. As you get to the end of Genesis, you read that that all the suffering that Joseph had to go through was ultimately for the saving of many lives. As we think about the life of Jesus, isn't that what he had to go through? A lot of suffering, ultimately for the saving of many lives. It would have made a lot of sense for the angel Gabriel to tell Mary, you need to name your son, Joseph. We want to honor Joseph. I mean, just imagine for a moment, you're Joseph, and, and you're engaged to marry this young woman named Mary, and before you ever come together in your marriage, Mary becomes pregnant with, with the child you know is not yours, because you've never been with her, and you're like, oh my goodness, and all the Jews in, in Palestine are starting to talk about how Mary's pregnant, and they're not married yet, and this is not the kind of thing that would have happened in first century Israel. In fact, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 19, we read this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph was a just man, a, a gracious person, a man of mercy. I mean, according to Mosaic law, he could have had Mary stoned for getting pregnant out of wedlock, but he doesn't do that. He says, no, I'm going to quietly divorce her. That would be the gracious thing to do, the nice, the merciful thing to do. Joseph is a good man. Why didn't the angel Gabriel tell Mary? 
You should name this baby Joseph. We want to honor Joseph. We can call him Joseph Jr. And then Joseph can grow up and, and well, he can take over the family business and become a carpenter like his dad, right? That would have been a great way to do it. Of course, you know, we all know Jesus didn't come here to be a carpenter, did he? God had bigger plans for this little baby. We all know that Jesus came to this earth not to be a carpenter, much more than just a carpenter. Jesus came to this earth, as the Gospel of John tells us, to proclaim God's word, to reveal God's will and design for all of humanity, to give us a living example of what it means to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yes, Jesus came to this earth to proclaim God's word and to help deliver God's people. Maybe a better name for Mary's baby boy would have been Moses, right? I mean, why didn't the angel Gabriel tell Mary to name her baby boy Moses? I mean, if you name a baby boy Moses in first century uh, Palestine, all the Jews would have t- taken notice and said, wow, this baby's going to have some big shoes to fill with a name like Moses, right? And of course, as Jesus would grew up and, and as this baby boy grew up and began this teaching, preaching ministry, they would have said, man, he's a prophet like Moses. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses tells the people of Israel that God is going to send him a prophet like him. We read Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 to 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see his great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. If the angel Gabriel had told Mary to name her baby boy Moses, then when he began his teaching and preaching ministry, people would realize that he is a prophet like Moses, the great hero of Israel who helped lead the people of Egypt out of slavery through the wilderness to the promised land. Yes, if, as he began his preaching and teaching ministry, people would have realized this is, he's a prophet like Moses and he's a fulfillment of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Why didn't the angel Gabriel tell Mary to name her baby boy Moses? That would have been a great name, Moses. Because he proved to be a great prophet, did he not? Of course, Mary's baby boy proves to be more than just a prophet, doesn't he? He's more than just a great teacher. He's a religious leader, a a priest in the order of Melchizedek, as we read in Hebrews chapter 6 and 7. As we read through the New Testament, we can see that in the first century, the priests of the temple had become corrupt. They were beginning to try to profit from the uh, animal sacrifices. They sold animal sacrifices for people to make, and they were doing some money changing there and and trying to profit from that. And That's why Jesus, when he came into the temple, turned over the uh, tables of the money changers and said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Jesus came to this earth to teach us to serve as a prophet, but he also came as a great priest who, like the great high priest on the Day of Atonement, offered the ultimate atoning sacrifice when he offered himself on a cross. Yes, Jesus, in his perfect obedience to our Heavenly Father and in his great love for all of us, serves as the great high priest and offers himself so that our sins might be atoned for once and for all. Yes, why didn't the angel Gabriel tell Mary to name her son Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the 
a good biblical name. Melchizedek is the, the priest who blesses Abraham. If, just imagine, Mary and Joseph show up to the temple and they say, this is our baby boy and his name is Melchizedek. All the priests would have taken notice and said, man, this is going to be quite the baby. He might become a priest like one of us someday. Why didn't the angel Gabriel tell Mary to name her baby boy Melchizedek? A famous priest that we find in the Old Testament. Well, Melchizedek and Moses are great biblical names. But as we look at the genealogy of Jesus, we can see that, well, Jesus doesn't come from the line of Melchizedek or Moses. That's not a family name for Joseph, as we read in Matthew chapter 1, where you can find the genealogy of Jesus. Now, according to the first chapter of Matthew, Joseph was a descendant of King David, not Moses or Melchizedek. David, that would have been a good name for this baby boy, right? I mean, if we think about it, this baby boy, he didn't just come to this earth to be a prophet or a priest. Really, he came to be a king, right? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And if, if Mary had named this baby boy David, then everyone would have known, oh yeah, he's from the line of David. And every Jew in the first century knew that the, the Messiah king is supposed to come from the lineage of David. And then they would have looked to, to Jesus to lead them as a king leads, right? Yes, Jesus is more than just a prophet. Wasn't just a, a priest. He's the king. The king of kings and the Lord of lords who reigns over all. Yes, he's the great high priest who came to offer the perfect sacrifice for our sins with his death on a cross. He's the great prophet who came to tell us the good news of God's amazing grace and love. This little baby boy proves to be a king, a priest, and a prophet. So why didn't the angel Gabriel Tell Mary to name her son David or Melchizedek or Moses. Those are good biblical names. Why did he tell her to name him Jesus? Of all the names, it's not a family name. Why Jesus? I'll tell you why his name Jesus. Because the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And the Greek translation of the English word Jesus is Esuas which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew name Yeshua. And Yeshua, Yeshua is a shortened version of Yahweh saves. The angel Gabriel told Mary that she needed to name her baby boy Yeshua, Yahweh saves. Because the angel Gabriel knew that what the world needs more than anything is a savior. Not just another prophet, not just another priest, or another king. The world needs a savior. Now, it's true that as we look at Jesus and his life, we can see that, yes, he was a prophet. Yes, he was a priest. Yes, he was a king. He played multiple roles. But the greatest role he played for all of us here today is as our savior. That's why the angel tells the night shift shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 of our text, they say, fear not before... before for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. As the angel tells Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, but as he, Joseph, considered these things, the fact that his fiancée is pregnant Mary, it says, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
Yes, Jesus is our prophet, our priest, our king. And most importantly, he is our savior who came to save us from our sins. That's why we call him Jesus. Jesus is our savior who through his life, death, and resurrection saves us from our sins. For Jesus did for us what we can never do for ourselves. Jesus lived in perfect obedience to our heavenly father and then he paid the price for our sins with his death on a cross as the perfect sacrifice. And then on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death with his resurrection on our behalf. And he did all of this because he loves us. He loves us with an unconditional, sacrificial love. For as the scriptures tell us, each one of us have been created in the very image of God. We were knit together in our mother's womb. The pages were written in his book for us before any one of them came to be, as you read in Psalm 139. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. And as Jeremiah 29 verse 11 tells us that God created us and he has a plan for us. It's a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. It's a plan to give us a hope and a future. But the trouble is, each one of us in our selfish, sinful nature tends to stray from God. We tend to wander from the ways of God. We don't always do what we ought to do. And so we sin. And our sin separates us from God. But the good news of Christmas The good news of tonight is that Jesus loves us too much. God loves us too much to abandon us in our sin. And so he sends his one and only son, who's fully God and fully man, to become one of us, a a little baby, born in a humble manger, so that he might grow up among us. He might teach us, heal us, and ultimately die for us. Yes, through his life of perfect obedience, his atoning death, and his victorious resurrection, we are all saved as we put our faith in him. What is it those famous words from John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's say that together if we can. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This Christmas season, as we begin to exchange gifts with friends and family members, have you received the greatest gift the world has ever known? Have you opened your heart to Christ and said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I recognize you as my Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, I'm going to ask you to pray with me here in just a moment. But if you're like me and you've said yes to Jesus many years ago, and yes, you confess with your lips Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it's now our job to tell others the good news of God's amazing grace, of God's great love for us, that he didn't abandon us in our sin, but no, he became one of us as a baby in a manger. And ultimately, he died for us so that we all might be saved. As Jesus says in John 15, no greater love is there than this than a man who's willing to die for his friends. Jesus has called us his friends. He's come to this earth to save us. And as the Apostle Peter says in Acts chapter 4, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, he tells the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem that, that there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is our rock, our redeemer, our savior. And as I think about our world today, as I think about all the troubles that our world faces today, don't we need a savior? We need a savior We need someone to save us from the selfish consumerism of our culture. 
We need someone to save us from the moral relativism of our culture that tells us that anyone can do what they want to do, that truth is relative and they can decide for themselves what is right and wrong. We need someone to save us from the anxiety and brokenness that we find in our world today. We need someone to save us from our own sinful nature that left to its own tends to rebel against God. Yes, we need someone to save us, to guide us, to watch over us, to lead us. We need a savior. We need Jesus. Yeshua, Yahweh saves. God saves. Thanks be to God that our heavenly father sent his son, our savior, to this earth to save us from our sins, to lead us in all truth today. This Christmas season, like the angels who appear to the night shift shepherds, may we prayerfully seek to be bold in our witness of the good news of God's love that we find in Jesus Christ, in the things that we say and in the things that we do. As we seek to center our hearts around the the great love of God and gratitude for his love for us, God's love will begin to flow through us to other people, and they'll experience the love of Christ firsthand through us. And then by a work of the Spirit, Their eyes might be open and they might come to faith in Christ as we tell them about God's great love so that their knee will bow and their tongue confess that Jesus Christ alone is Lord. Yes, there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus, God saves. That's a great name for Mary's baby boy. Please join me as you pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us so much that you would send your son to save us. And as we think about the name Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves, we recognize that is what he came to do. We are sinners in need of your grace. We are sinners in need of a savior. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here tonight who's never made that confession, they don't know what it means to be in a personal relationship with you, I pray that they might open their heart to you tonight, Lord. We we confess that we're sinners We recognize that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross and paid the price for our sins. And on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death so that we might have the gift of eternal life if we simply believe in you. The gift of a new life. As we say, yes, Lord Jesus. Lord, you tell us in your word that if we confess with our lips, Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So God, in the quietness of this moment, I pray that if there's anyone here who hasn't done that, I pray that they might do so tonight they might give their heart to you and say yes to Jesus. And Lord, for those of us who do say that Jesus is Lord and we recognize that and we believe that, Lord, help us to live into that by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be bold in our witness so that we might point others to your amazing grace, to your amazing love. They might experience your unconditional, sacrificial love through us. And so they too might say, that Jesus is Lord. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your Son, who is the Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.